0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Friday, December 10th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the valley. My name is Mike Malone. I'm here with special contributor Scott Budman of NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson, our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove, and our host, as always, is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Okay, Scott, we gotta start with the the Theranos Holmes trial. By the way, is the judgment saying the name of the company wrong?
1: Every once in a while, he'll say Theranos. Theranos. Which, given that the name Theranos is not only the name, and it has been for years, but it's pronounced, you know, a hundred times a day in front of him, who knows?
0: (laughs) Okay, so what's the status of it? Uh, Has everybody rapped now?
1: Yeah, so they rapped Holmes' testimony, and the expectation was that they'd call in a domestic abuse uh, expert to sort of bring the abuse testimony into Theranos.
0: Wasn't there a shrink who actually talked with her?
1: Well, she was actually examined uh, by someone on the prosecution side and the defense side. And so the expectation was the defense would call somebody and then maybe the prosecution would call their person. So we thought we might be there for a while longer. As it turned out, when Holmes finished testimony, both the defense and prosecution rested. So no more testimony. Um, now, what happened? Were
0: there any bombshells in her last couple of days of testimony?
1: Not really. Each side got a chance. There was cross examination. There was redirect. You know, it just kind of ping ponged back and forth. And each side did pretty much what they promised in the opening arguments. Okay. Uh, you know, the prosecution walked her through, you said this, but did this, correct? Right. And she admitted it. Um, and then the defense sort of walked through that in a slightly different angle, saying, you did this thinking that it might work someday. So technically, that's not lying, right? I mean, you know, there was sort of this splitting hair sort of tightrope walk done. Did at she the end. bring up the Sunny defense again? Um, only at the end, she was walked through uh, some of the people and largely Sonny Balwani that she delegated work to and was therefore feeling let down by, oh, I thought the lab was in good working order because that was in Sonny's hands. Okay. So, you know, Sunny money got thrown under it in a couple of different but ways. But no, the
0: domestic abuse at the end.
1: Not at the very end, no. Okay. It seemed like they had that, put it in the minds of the jury, um, and then went back to Theranos and sort of ended it at the business.
0: Now, wasn't her? Def- I read somewhere her defense emphasized at the end trade secrets. That a lot of my behavior was the result of me wanting to keep this stuff under wraps because. We don't want to, create com- we didn't want to create competition.
1: Right, and I don't know how that will sit with the jury because while she did bring up trade secrets, she also had to admit that she was telling not only investors but Roger Parloff of, you know, Fortune magazine that these things existed when they didn't. Yes. And um, that's that was published. You know, the investors had this information, so maybe they were let in on the trade secrets, but the trade secrets turned out to be wrong. Yes. And dishonest and to a large extent
0: turn it be magic beans instead of the secret formula
1: and in the case of roger parloff not even secret he published an article about these things that he later recanted
0: um okay so up in the press box (laughs) uh in the stands
1: uh what's the consensus it's hard to say i think all of us uh Members of the press, and and I count myself as on the lower strata of court, you know, expertise. Yeah. <laughs> there are some who cover a lot of court cases, and even they say, you know, they've covered enough to know that it's really hard to guess what's going on in the minds of twelve jurors. Right. Only one of whom has to think, well, you know what, maybe she didn't do these things. Yeah. Only one, and so it's the odds seem stacked in her favor. But then again, uh, they also tell me that the odds are usually against. The defendant in a federal fraud case they usually go against the defendant uh, right. because the prosecution usually has so much ammunition but in this case you know there was some doubt there was some sympathy i think for elizabeth holmes and it just depends on what the the jury thinks okay so the old pros
0: covering court right. cases do they think it's going to be a long deliberation or a short? How long is the jury going to be at?
1: They seem to think it's going to be short, but that's more because of the timing of it all. Oddly enough, Christmas. Right. The trial ends in, in for testimony on the eighth. Okay. Um, that that afternoon. But there's still time in the day. But they don't do jury instruction and they don't do closing arguments. Instead, putting everything off until the end of the following week. So there's an eight nine day gap. Okay where everything is just closed for court. So that's a surprise because now the jury has to sit with this, then we get closing arguments and then jury instruction. We're into at this point, the 16th, 17th, yeah. then another weekend, and then the 20th. And so deliberations are likely to happen. And they're four days away from Christmas Eve. Right, and uh, so we're asking a jury that week to get together and discuss it for the first time. Um, right. And do they want to keep this past Christmas, past New Year's? Nobody thinks they want to do that. So you hate right. to think that it's going to be rushed. But you
0: got to be thinking, they've been so busy doing this. Have they gone out and bought presents? Have they put up the lights on the front of their houses Have they bought a Christmas tree? Have they done anything in preparation for the holidays?
1: It's a good question, and maybe there's a frantic scramble now because there are eight days in between Elizabeth Holmes' closing testimony, you know, the defense and prosecution resting, and the actual closing arguments which seems like a long stretch to maybe forget you know everything they've learned over the last three and a half months but maybe that's when the shopping is being done because uh they're going to be asked to come back and not only hear these closing arguments and then jury instructions but then to deliberate uh really close to christmas now another question
0: talking to the old hands there has the judge made any mistakes is there a mistrial in there somewhere
1: you know i've asked the the former lawyers and prosecutors and all those guys that have been the court analysts and to a person, they say they were impressed by the judge, Okay. Uh, that he took his time and part of the reason this thing lasted so long was that he was trying to be fair to all sides to prevent any sort of complaint mistrial concerns. In other words, he really wanted to get this thing done, one and done.
0: And you made it through without losing any more jurors.
1: Right, there were three quick gone in the beginning, none lost to COVID. It was actually pretty impressive. Okay, how about you? How how easy is it going to be to transition away from
0: three months of being in that court to normal life as a reporter for a TV station?
1: You know, this this happens when you're really digging into something for a long time and you get known for it and everywhere you go people talk to you about it. And then all of a sudden, it's well. Wait a minute. You mean yeah. the hospital strike, or <laughs> you know, the buses aren't running on time, or you know, Tesla's earnings were low. We want me to. Talk? So yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Uh, that's going to be fine. I'm I'm both looking forward to getting back to the daily stuff, but I will miss this trial. I'm I'm not going to lie to you. It's been fascinating to dig deep into something like this for so long in a business, and I'm on the TV side, I I'm not even say, on the newspaper you know, side. I
0: know, I'm an old investigative reporter. I'm right. used to spending three or four months on something. But you're in a daily business.
1: Right. The TV business is, for a long time, at least since I've been involved, largely a daily business. And uh, so, you know, I talked to some of these, uh, you know, New York Times and Washington Post reporters on the Theranos trial. They've set aside their other six-month project <laughs> yeah. to do this four-month project. So they're used to this. Um, and, and I do like the daily... Variety that that my job gives me but it was fun. To you got to stretch
0: your legs out on this one
1: very much So and the um, just the way we wrote the way we delivered the way we heck the way I tweeted changed <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna tweet about now. Well, uh, you know, there's tweets a lot are getting of getting
0: carried around the world
1: Yeah, and and that's another thing is To be part of something that is being watched all over the place is kind of fun. It's kind of a kick I'm not gonna lie Um, And, uh, you know, eventually that'll go away, too. Well, you've been covering this town for
0: 20-odd years. There's always another scandal. Right. Yeah. Speaking of that, when does Sonny uh, Sonny Balwani's trial start? So Balwani's
1: trial is scheduled to start in January, and I don't think the lateness of the Holmes trial will affect that, I don't think. Um, But the other thing is, since Balwani's name came up, which is not a big surprise, in the Holmes trial... You wonder if he's not trying to cut some sort of a deal or perhaps watch what happens with Elizabeth Holmes. I must say, judging by, um, I think we'll know the coverage of his trial, judging by Holmes' trial. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and unless she gets a whole a lot of prison time or something, I don't think people will be all that interested in him. No, and he's, not as, he's
0: not as an attractive a character.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Um, but I, I do wonder if it will be covered and. Um, you know, if, if my name comes up, I'll be there. Uh, one note, by the way, if yeah. I haven't mentioned, Sonny Balwani's lawyer has been in the Holmes trial almost every day. Okay. And uh, just, you know, quietly, he's not commenting to us, right. uh, but he's been there, and so- He's taken notes. Yeah, so. I think so.
0: Okay. Wow. Well, while you were gone, uh, <laughs> crypto crash. Yes. In a big way. Uh, I was looking at the numbers. It saw a price collapse from 57, well, Bitcoin dropped from 57,000 to 42,000, 26.5 percent downside move. Costs 850 million dollars in long BTC futures contracts, and it's heading into, you know, the big day, December 10th, right? The expiration. Okay, so the December 10th expiry is for $1 billion, $1.1 $1. $1 billion in options. Didn't anybody see this coming? I mean, if you were out in 2000, 2001, you knew that when a deadline came, and this was for dot-com companies, the day that the lockouts ended on all the stock that went public, the market was going to crash right before that because it was not going to let people take those kinds of profits. So there were all sorts
1: of things, right? There were all sorts of things back in 99, 2000 that were making tech stocks crash. I mean, you know, the balance sheet alone, people (laughs) saw those and panicked. The the lack of profitability, yeah. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, okay, I've been in court for a long time, but I've been covering Bitcoin since the beginning too. And one thing I've noticed, a few things actually, is there is this really... And it's still not very big a community of diehard Bitcoin traders, and I'll call them traders. They're they're not using this as a currency so much as a sure. speculative investment. Um, and yet, the optimism of these guys is you know can survive a twenty six percent drop. I mean, imagine Michael, if the dollar or the Dow yeah. fell twenty six percent in a couple of days.
0: Twenty six percent of the Dow is what
1: eight thousand points in a day. More, yeah, and and so. Uh, so those currencies, those those ways of marking our economy yeah. would be a huge story. Um, but Bitcoin, I was pitching the story and nobody knew what I was talking about. You yeah. know, hey, 26%. And so I think it's still on the margins. <laughs> Maybe more than <laughs> one, but uh, it's still, you know, a marginal story that people are not yet uh, equating with our overall economy. And I understand why. Well, I don't think a lot of us hold them. A- Right, yet, right.
0: But a three hundred million dollars loss heading into what looks like an eight hundred and fifty million dollar downgrading right, right in it in two more days.
1: but that's that's another thing about crypto is you can't put those uh, standards on crypto that you used to do for stocks. For example, yes, we're heading into this expiration, but the last few days have seen a price jump from forty two thousand a coin to fifty thousand a coin. So the optimists Almost are jumping back. back. Right, the optimists are jumping back in, even ahead of what we would think is kind of a shaky time. Let's yep. face it, it's always a shaky time in crypto. When young people in the newsroom come up and say, "Hey, should I invest in crypto?" The reason I say no <laughs> yeah. is just you're going to have to pay such close attention, um, and you're going to have to be prepared to part with your money. Like being
0: a day trader every day. That's you a be good way of it. Right. Okay, I had never heard of the fear and greed index. Ah. I guess I'm not a very good economist, but uh, it hit its lowest level uh, since last July. But I guess it's back up again. So the fear and greed index is the index of crypto? Or is it some other
1: type of... It's a little wider, I think. But yeah, it's, it sounds like something out of, you know, the Grinch movie or something. Or right?
0: Hunter Thompson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: um, but there are all sorts of volatility indexes. And I just think crypto by itself is just so volatile yeah. that you really can't yet compare it or add it to other ways that we're tracking the economy. It's just too, I guess, early in the game.
0: Well with days with you know, like last week, is is this gonna make these large companies and El Salvador <laughs> is it going to make them a little bit wary about staying in this game?
1: It should. Um, But, you know, we we talk on this podcast a lot about why you should be wary about crypto. So that's built into to to us. But I should also say, um, and it's not so much the big companies, but some of these companies like Square. The the move Jack Dorsey is making with Square to clearly try to make it a safe, clean, you know. Stable. Yeah, stable is a good word. Uh, Clearinghouse for Bitcoin and, and crypto in general is such an important move because the banks are still understandably wary of it. Um, And therefore, for it to be something that you can at least know that your crypto isn't going to get ripped off the next day and go down to zero, you need a company like Square to step in. You know, eventually the coin bases of the world are going to get more. I mean, again, we talked about crypto.com. They're growing so fast. They're buying the name of the Staples Center and all that stuff. There is some legitimacy in this area.
0: I wish I could be a citizen of El Salvador right now. (laughs) <laughs> your currency, just it's just going all over the place. It's like you invested your GNP into pork bellies,
1: you know, it's like a commodities exchange. Right. And if you're in El Salvador and you're looking on social media and you're watching the optimists who have money to burn, yeah. talking about crypto like it's the greatest thing in the world. And then you're watching while your country's currency is just going crazy. <laughs> it's got to be a weird feeling because oh, yeah. to them it's more serious than just, hey, I... It's actually
0: life or death. Yeah.
1: And um, and it feels, again, early in this crypto journey to make it a life or death thing. It's too early.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next two days. It might do it again. Okay. Um, Amazon Web Services. You know, it's interesting that... I didn't hear a lot about this. I think that everybody's attention is on everything else right now, from from COVID to the trial to you know the state of the world. But AWS had an outage. You know, you know, I've, I always think of Amazon Web Services being really reliable right. and safe, and to have them go down at the busiest time of the year, I mean that's a mess. I mean, parcels didn't get delivered websites and i i I went on several websites that had gone offline
1: uh it just shows you how widespread uh the world is dependent on this one company and these web servers and you know it's one thing to say let's say if you're of a certain age oh so you can't do this immediately but this is how the world transacts yeah and
0: moreover this was in cloud right you know and the whole point of cloud is the reason you put stuff into cloud because it's more reliable it's safe you know, it goes into that strong box that you can always get out for the rest of your life. That's why you don't need that disk drive at home with a thumb drive. Right. Put it up there. And now this thing has collapsed on us. Uh, a whole bunch of backlogs uh, at Amazon's warehouses. And then Google, Disney+, Plus, Venmo, DoorDash, Spotify, Slack, and Robinhood markets all went down.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, there's so many companies dependent on this backbone of technology, and uh, and not only that. Oh, my
0: Social Security. Let's not forget that one.
1: Nobody needs that one, right? Right. Exactly. And and again, it's 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 never a good time for this to happen, but here it is. You know, getting close to mid-December, <laughs> yeah. and Amazon, which is going to handle like what percentage of our Christmas presents, is is cheapy.
0: Well, about 80% of our our houses. Yeah. Well,
1: uh, it's it's a legitimate concern, and again, it shows how dependent we are you know a couple of weeks ago it was oh the ship's in the harbor and we're not going to have the supply chain and you know it's like oh I, I hold my beer supply chain if aws is down <laughs> forget about it
0: yeah. <laughs> okay uh, you know the other day i noticed intel's really looking for pr people huh. and communications people and i thought well, well, that's interesting and then i got a note from grove he said it looks like their pr department's hard at work uh, Fox Business had a whole thing about uh, Intel's push to reclaim American dominance in semiconductors, and they put $20 billion into a new fab and all that. They're really trying to position themselves as the saviors of the American chip industry.
1: I mean, look, you know, we thought that companies had shelf lives of, you know, sexiness and relevance. Yeah. uh, Because we saw, you know— myspace and yahoo and all those companies just sort of fade away right. uh, but look at microsoft and the incredible comeback and for that matter apple yeah. but i think microsoft is a better example because it didn't come up with a brand new product or three like no, apple it just, did it been it blocking just, and tackling right yeah. and and it turned around and and for a couple of weeks there it was the most valuable company now it's number two and i think intel is probably looking at microsoft its old partner and the wintel stuff yeah. and saying well if they can do it maybe we can Again, with unsexy, but very important technology. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if Intel can be that company again. You know, they're spinning off Mobileye and taking it public. That led the stock price to go higher. You know, people want to see those kind of moves.
0: But their stock's been pretty quiet. After after all those jumps a few months ago with the new CEO and everything else, things have been pretty quiet. I'm wondering if they're trying to goose their stock price right now with all this publicity about, it's down to us men, we're going to... We're going to save American industry.
1: I mean, goose is one thing. I would say, look at the Microsoft model. Microsoft didn't goose the stock price. No. They got a new CEO, just like Intel did, but they really delivered on they the stock. They got software serious, models. yeah. yeah. And, um, and they didn't, you know, dilly dally around with consumer products, you know, the watch and the phone and all those things like they had, you know, the Zune. They stuck to their knitting and they really just, you know, kick butt and, and moved everything And, you know, higher.
0: there's a factor in there that never gets discussed, which is the people that built. A high-flying startup and it goes public they all get rich they all leave the company and so Microsoft suffered one of the worst losses of intellectual capital of really smart people there and it you know it it slowed them down for seven or eight years but they built back up talent and um, they were able to recruit which is oftentimes hard for a company on the backside uh, they've done it. They're back in the in a, in a game in a big way. And I think somewhere there's a Harvard Business Review case study about that that's going to be written soon. Okay, um, Instagram. They got nailed yesterday by the Senate. Uh, what I found interesting, well, first of all, they used all, the, they used all the Wall Street Journal stuff to basically say good, well, You know, they went to Instagram, people went in and said, we're proud of what we're doing, helping kids and all that. And they go, well, what about this? What about body image problems and all that? What impressed me, though, is a couple of senators actually got Instagram accounts and studied them to see how it would affect young people. For once, they're actually getting their fingernails dirty and learning about the technology.
1: Yeah, isn't that how it's supposed to work? I mean, a company does something uh, that's, you know concerning to people. The Wall Street Journal comes in there, does some great reporting, and that's when you get the hearings because people have read the reporting and have done a little bit of scholarship and research. And so it doesn't become these crazy questions like how do you make money, Mr. Zuckerberg? It becomes some impressive questions that come down. It's like real government. Right, well, yeah. (laughs) Uh, With the boost of of a free press. I say good for the process.
0: Okay, on the other hand, Instagram just announced, have, have you tried this one, the take a break tool?
1: I have not, but I've been on an Instagram break for years. <laughs>
0: yeah. But apparently, this is their way of having kids not melt their brains, right. is every few minutes, they're told to take a break and they get a timeout. You think it'll work? There's gonna be so many workarounds on this. Kids aren't stupid. They're gonna figure out a way to keep going.
1: Right, and I think the kids know, because they've heard it from either their parents or other kids who've been bullied, that Instagram is a sort of a win/lose proposition. There are two yeah. sides to this. Sure. There's the great, hey, we're being social. Hey, I've got my friends. I've got some people that are inspiring me. But on the other hand, there's bullying. On there's the other body hand, you're image ugly concerns. And you're
0: fat and nobody
1: likes you. Right. There, there are concerns as well. So, um, you know, taking a break uh, is one thing. I think trying to look at social media with a more skeptical eye yeah. comes with age and experience. And That doesn't happen automatically
0: well you know i think it's probably good because oftentimes i think we see things from a silicon valley perspective which is mom and dad are pretty tech savvy and they're checking on their kid when they manage to get home uh, from work (laughs) elsewhere in the country i wonder you know the kids doing something on the computer that's great with no idea of really what's going on over there in the other room so you know we'll see um Apple. Apple shares fell last week, uh, apparently they came out with a report that said iPhone demand is weakening uh, well, heading into the holidays, which is interesting because I think we wrote off any slowdown in revenues for the iPhone to supply chain problems. But it looks like demand is actually weaker uh, and it's going to warn that the supply constraints will cause it to miss at least $6 billion in revenue. For the holiday quarter.
1: But isn't that two separate things? Uh, Supply constraints are one thing, but demand is something else. I mean, supply things, you know, supply constraints come and go. I think that's part of our lives right now. But I think
0: that's what we thought was the problem with Apple's demand orders. But it looks like it's actually systemic.
1: Right. I mean, if, if the 13, let's say, is not firing people up all that much because it's essentially a 12, with yeah, Some it, slight, slight it, it refinements. It didn't help
0: that WASDEX said right, right. I don't really see the difference.
1: And it, it's a tough game now because we've reached, I don't know if we've reached peak cell phone, as they like to say, but the changes are incremental. Right. Whether you're looking at Samsung or the other Android guys or you're looking at Apple, the changes are incremental. They're better. The camera's slightly better. The battery life is slightly better. But is it enough to jump in with another $1,000 or $1,200 phone? Yeah,
0: I'm beginning to wonder if the incremental matters anymore. If, if people are buying new iPhones for replacement, right? you know, their old, old ones getting beat up and it's got a crack in the screen. Let's and look, you
1: know, up. Apple has sustained its stock price for the most part. I think the stock story is more, um, you know, Zoom, Peloton, uh, you know, these companies that soared during the pandemic as people start to say, maybe I don't need as much technology in right. my life right now because I can get out because I've got my vaccines, I'm boosted, my family's boosted, I can see them for whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and that's progress. Um, and so, you know, I mean, a, a zoom stock price of two hundred instead of five hundred is still a high stock price, but maybe right. it makes sense because we're starting to it's get more out.
0: realistic. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so that's I think, where our economy is hopefully headed unless we go backwards with, you know, Omicron or whatever.
0: Well, okay, now here's one, int- I don't know if you even saw this being in the court. Uh, <laughs> the information, I guess the publication published a lengthy report detailing, Apple CEO's Tim Cook's efforts to establish relation, stronger relationships with China. Apparently in the mid-2010s, he put together a 27, $275 billion deal where Apple committed to investing heavily in the technology infrastructure and training of China. A non-binding five-year deal uh, negotiated in 2016 includes a pledge to Help Chinese manufacturers develop the most advanced man- manufacturing technologies and support the training of high-quality Chinese talents. That's a little disconcerting right now. You know, is it going Is this like, you know, Henry Ford supplying vehicles to, uh, you know, the Reich? I mean, it, I mean Chi- say it's, it's China's becoming different, a, but China's becoming a, a large world problem, and we may be uh, we may have been helping them get there.
1: Right. I mean, are we are we helping them get to be a problem with human rights or are we helping them in business despite our concerns for their human rights? Exactly. And and both are concerning and I I get it. But I'm
0: not sure morally we can separate the two.
1: Right. I agree. And um, that's something that I'm glad to see the coverage on because Apple has gotten away with, hey, we're taking the high road with these devices and with our corporate culture. Yeah. And you know you got to look at China too.
0: Uh, and Apple committed to uh, investing many billions of dollars more. So I wonder if that's going to, you know, keep going. And now that it's ex- been exposed, it's interesting he kept it under wraps.
1: Yeah, this has been going and on for years, and that's kind of telling in its own way.
0: Yeah, I wonder if that, how much damage that's going to do to his reputation, which is pretty, pretty sterling right now.
1: Right, he hasn't been called in for these things a la uh, Instagram or, or you know, Zuckerberg right. and Facebook He's or like Google. the good oligarch, you know? <laughs> right, but is that oligarch uh, supporting uh, some human rights violations in China? Yeah, that needs to be... I'm surprised we don't have hearings on that as well. Me too.
0: Uh, okay, finally. This is just kind of fun. You know, every once in a while, tech actually comes up with something that's practical and useful in our everyday lives. And I think I've seen one for me. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go back to the lobby at a hotel because I've lost my key. And now that they give it to you in cards, it's even easier to lose. (laughs) Uh, So, Apple is partnering with Hyatt to give some hotel guests the ability to store their room keys in their Apple wallets. So you can go in there with your phone, your iPhone, or your watch and just hold it up to the doorknob and you're in. Okay, Uh, currently there's only six hotels in the U.S. that support this, one of them being um, Hyatt Place Fremont in Silicon Valley. I didn't even know there was a Hyatt (laughs) in, (laughs) in Fremont, but there you go. A bunch of other ones, Hyatt Regency, Long Beach, Dallas, that sort of thing, six. But this augurs a whole different future for most of us. Especially when you come home after a business dinner, back to the hotel, after a few adult beverages, and you have trouble finding the floor you're supposed to be on. Now you get down to the room and you don't have to worry about having lost your key and making your way back to get another
1: one. Because your watch or your uh, your Apple wallet will be there for you. Good for technology.
0: God bless technology. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, they remind us. You have to your iPhone has to be iOS 15 or above, and uh, your watch must run a watch OS 8. Okay, another reason why you have to buy another one. Okay, that's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage, as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and now, thank you, Jordan, Amazon Music, and Audible. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.